Welcome to No More Risk Better, a Credit Sites podcast. I'm Winnie Caesar, the Global Head of Strategy. And I'm Zach Griffiths, the Credit Sites Senior Investment Grade Strategist. As strategists, we aim to make sense of the macro and the micro, highlighting opportunities and the risks facing the fixed income markets. As important as the macro call may be, we understand that credit investing at its core comes down to keen single name selection, and we at Credit Sites benefit from the expertise of our team of over 100 analysts across the US, Europe, and Asia. This podcast offers a look at the conversations that we have with our analysts on a regular basis. If you are an investment professional focused on the wide universe of fixed income, you'll want to give this podcast a listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Credit Sites podcast. My name is Winnie Caesar. I'm the global head of strategy here at Credit Sites. And today we are talking European paper packaging and chemicals with our senior analysts covering those sectors, Laurent Vignon. I'm really excited to have this discussion today. I feel like there's going to be a lot of interesting kind of macro and micro trends. So, Laurent, thank you so much for joining. Hi, Winnie. Thanks for having me today. I'm a huge fan of the podcast series myself, actually. Great. I'm glad to hear that someone's listening to the podcast. That's excellent. Do you listen to other podcasts? Yeah, because actually chemicals yeah. is connected to many mm-hmm. different end markets, mm-hmm. energy, construction, the auto industry. So I'm always curious to know about trends in other markets, I would say. I love that. I am also a little bit of a podcast junkie. I now exercise while listening to podcasts, which my younger self would have been horrified to hear because I used to always listen to music. But apparently as I get old, I just need to chill out and listen to a podcast. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, let's start it off with our opener or icebreaker question. This has been an interesting one for me to hear. If you could have a sneak peek at any piece of economic, credit market, or sector-specific data for the rest of the year, what would you be looking for and why? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. So typically, there are two essential drivers when we talk about commodity markets like for cams or paper and packaging, and it's obviously supply and demand. And whether we look at these two sectors, like most companies printed record profits in 2022, and that was because of high demand uh, since 2021, after like the COVID reopening. And it was until the first half of 2022. And we also had these very tight market conditions because of supply chain issues in parts. So that good level of demand supported strong pricing power, helping to mask inflationary pressures. But this was then followed by wicked demand at the end of 2022 due to some destocking trend. And today it remains unclear whether we'll see a recession rebound at the end of this year. To answer your question, I'd like to see when some specific indicators will point to some clear demand recovery. And typically, we look at some specific indicators like manufacturing PMI. It's actually a better indicator of demand for chems or paper and packaging than some broader indicators like GDP. And it's also somewhat more forward-looking indicator. So typically, when PMI will be above 50, we should see some more confidence in the economy and probably more demand from the manufacturing industry going forward. So, I mean, in Europe, manufacturing PMI has remained below 50 since the end of last year. And the indicator is just about 50 in the US at the moment. That's similar in China, but 
it's remained relatively fragile at that moment. So I would say that when we listen to companies and, and industry experts, the consensus seems to be a progressive recovery of demand in the second half of this year, probably because customers will refill entries and there will be like the China reopening. But as I said, it's relatively uncertain at that stage, actually. Yeah, it's been really tricky. The PMIs have been right at that kind of make or break level of 50 and manufacturing sub 50 for a bit and then bouncing up to 50. It's been a really tricky environment to navigate on the manufacturing side of things for sure. So with this uncertainty around which way do we break out, higher or lower, how are you recommending investors position in paper and packaging and also chems? And what's kind of the foundation of your recommendations? So we have an underperform recommendation on European IG chemicals. We don't have proper recommendations on European IG paper in packaging because it's not a big part, I would say, of the, the basic industry. It, it only accounts for less than, say, 0.5% of bonds in Europe rather than chemicals is much bigger. It's more than 2%. We also don't have proper recommendations for the high-yield space. And it's also because of more idiosyncratic factors. But yeah, as for European IG camps, underperformed since the end of last year because of actually both fundamentals and real value considerations. Chemicals trade tight. It traded 30 pips inside the wider index at the start of the year. And we had a number of headwinds, obviously the uncertainties around the energy situation in Europe, just ahead of the winter season, when we changed our recommendation to underperform at the end of last year, it was also like the risk of recession at some point in 2023. And yeah, the sector has continued to trade tight, uh, still around 130 bips today and 40 bips inside the wider index. So, I mean, we've. The improving energy situation and signs of easing inflation is being clear that there was some risk on sentiment and investors got, you know, more confidence. So we've seen cyclical names like DSF, Covestro in Europe outperforming the wider index year to date. But as always, the difficulty when you look at a sector like chemicals, it's because it's actually a mixed bag and we estimate that uh, chemical splits roughly 50-50 between some more cyclical and some more resilient businesses by market value. And given the challenging environment and probably a tougher landing in Europe in terms of economic environment, we still expect at some point some correction in the trading levels as some of these cyclical issuers are relatively tight at the moment and they're facing leveraging risks. So we'll probably move to a more neutral view when we see some correction in the trading levels, or if we get more comfortable with the economic outlook with some stronger demand. Overall, chemical trades tight. Clients have been asking preferably on some specific names that trade particularly wide for some idiosyncratic reasons, because otherwise, whether you look at chems or even paper and packaging, everything trades relatively tight. We passed that stage where it was a lot of concerns last year with the energy situation. Clients were asking about risk around energy and what names were, you know, partially at risk, but we passed that stage and I think there's some risk on sentiment now. Yeah, it's been a tricky one for sure. And it's interesting because the Eurochem space trades so tight to the index, whereas US it trades so wide. And so 
then within the sector as a whole, there's some confusion around, wait, what exactly is driving the relative value differences across these two different markets? So what are you expecting from primary market activity? You know, we've seen to start the year, a big pickup and new issue across the Euro IG market driven by financials that's kind of slowed down. Is there a tailwind or headwind associated with the technical side of things when it comes to issuance? Well, I have to say it's been relatively busier in terms of new issues in the euro markets, in chemicals, less so in paper and packaging. But yeah, relatively busy. There was some pause at the moment in March, obviously, with all this SVB and Credit Suisse story. But yeah, to give you some numbers, in IG Chems, we've seen nearly 8 billion euro of new bonds so far. That compares to 13 billion last year. One three, which was already quite a high comparison base already. And we saw a few issuance in paper and packaging. Like recently this week, we had a couple of green bonds from Stora Enzo for 1 billion euro. But uh, yeah, I, I would also say that it's, it's important to note that we've seen new deals in the higher space after a very quiet year in 2022. So at least four issuers came to the market in the high yield chemical space for uh, more than 2 billion euros of new bonds so far this year. And investors loved it. You know, when Enos was back in the market, the euro bond price at par to yield of 6.6%, there was practically no new issue concessions there. So yeah, I mean, lots of appetite, I would say overall. We don't expect tons of refinancing this year, around maybe 4 billion euros in IG chemicals, but not much in the height space and nothing significant in paper and packaging, I would say. We have relatively robust companies in our coverage. Even right, in the so new space. issue, not a particular headwind given this mix of pretty decent demand and not a lot incremental coming down the pipeline. No, I mean, obviously with higher interest rates that will create some, uh, yeah, higher interest costs, but it hasn't been a major constraint for new issues so far. And I would say that companies, at least in our coverage, can can handle uh, this increase in stress costs, I would say. Well, that's an encouraging thing to hear. It's been a lot of focus on the companies that can and cannot handle these higher borrowing costs. So it's always nice to hear some, some reassuring words from our analysts. So with a kind of cautious view on the sector, driven in part by valuations and also this uncertain fundamental outlook, what keeps you up at night when you're thinking about your sector and the more cautious recommendation? Well, that's another good question. I would say I'm less worried about CAMS than I was last year after the start of the war in Ukraine and the energy situation in Europe and potential risk of gas shortages. There was a lot of uncertainties at that moment. I mean, the current downturn is somewhat more familiar or similar to what we are used to deal with when it comes to cyclical sectors like CAMS and paper and packaging. The current destocking trend is quite an Unusual one, I would say, though, you know, we've seen some significant declines in volumes, like in the range of 30 to 40 percent year on year in some markets. So these are big, big variations. And again, I mean, it's part of a strange cycle when we're out of COVID. There was a lot of demand after the reopening and then a lot of demand as well to secure volumes after the start of the war in Ukraine. Then that has been followed by demand destruction because of inflation and high interest rates and high inventory. So all these factors have made it for 
quite unpredictable cycle. So I would say my main concern is that the expected demand recovery in the second half of this year takes longer than expected. And then I think that things will get more complicated, like even more re-leveraging and rating agencies probably starting to get worried with negative rating actions. And then we'll have higher maybe refinancing rate. Then there will be like an, a negative spiral, right, in, in the fixed income market. On the other hand, I mean, there's still a chance that we see some improving market conditions at the back end of the year with, again, China reopening easing inflation and, and lower energy prices compared to last year. But as always, I mean, things are, are never simply black or white. As you know, we may see some tensions in the energy market as China reopens. I would say as uh, overall, we definitely keeping our eyes open for any risk and opportunities in chemicals and paper and packaging. Yeah, that makes total sense. The cycle has been really hard to forecast on a number of factors and I feel this very acutely, given that my job is to do a lot of forecasting when it comes to the economic outlook and rates and credit spreads and all of that. So it's helpful to have you guys at the kind of micro level feeding us some information that we can use in those more macro views. And speaking of micro, let's talk some single name recommendations. Do you have a, a top pick and pan or maybe a carry trade that you can talk about? Sure. Yeah, we have a few of them. So in the IG space, we have a couple of picks in chems. I'll start with Linde. It's a very defensive credit. Uh, they produce industrial gases with a strong market position in a very concentrated market. Linde's bonds are relatively expensive, to be honest, but they still trade wide of Air Liquid, which is a another industrial gases producer. So for example, the Linda's bonds due in 31, 32, they trade at 120 bips at the moment, but still 20 bips wide of uh, early kid. So we think that actually Linda's advantages are not fully priced into the bonds. That accounts for uh, its very strong credit profile, even stronger than early kid. And some nice growth opportunities, like especially in the US with the energy transition and the IRA. So we expect Linda to actually grow faster than Air Liquid. But overall, I would say better, stronger, faster. If, yeah, if I could quote Daft Punk, and I don't know if there's any music fans listening to us today. That said, we also like Air Liquid. It's very defensive too. It's, it's a nice carry trade. Investors can have it in their portfolio and they won't wake up in the middle of the night. We also like Sika. They refinance their bridge loan that they use for a 5 billion euro M&A deal. So that was in April and that has offered investors with a, a, a nice entry point. So yeah, these two bonds offer somewhat 40 to 50 bips spread gap compared to names like Linda and Air Liquid that we've already mentioned. Another peak in the paper and packaging space this time is Subboard. It's relatively safe trade. There are headwinds at the moment because of the stocking trend that we've mentioned, but Subboard is relatively well-integrated business from pulp to paper packaging. Uh, it's relatively simple capital structure. Their bond you in 2027, trade some 150 bips at the moment, offering some 50 bips discount compared to triple B names in the chemical space that all trades relatively tight. 
So a name that Metsa with, you know, the company's net leverage is nil. So that's, as I say, it's relatively safe trade. And then in that space, our pan is actually Covestro. Covestro is a chemical name, relatively cyclical. They produce, you know, polyurethane, polycarbonate with some exposure to construction. There's some re-leveraging risk and, and it trades tight at the moment, except for maybe one or two bonds. But uh, at that level, we prefer some more resilient specialty chems names like Arkema with stronger balance sheet and, and a relatively sound financial policy. Maybe you're interested in some picks and pans in the high space? Yes, that would be great. We have a couple of picks in the high space. Uh, interestingly, it's more in the packaging side rather than chemicals. Uh, I think it's probably due to more interesting stories or opportunities at the moment. One pick is SIG Combi Block. It sits in the more defensive side of packaging with carton for milk and liquid food, so more resilient in a downturn. And we're expecting an upgrade to the investment grade level at Moody's eventually. So that's actually a rising star. And the best option is to play their short dated bond during 2025, which trades relatively in line with some triple B names in the packaging space, but with actually more resident business. We have another pick, which is actually more an emerging market name, a South African name called SAPI, a producer of pulp paper packaging. And their 400 million bond due 2028 trade at yield to worst of around almost 7%. So some hundred bips wide of a packaging player like Pro Group, and also a bit wide of some chemical names like Ineos. But with our clear preference for, for SAPI's stronger financial policy than Ineos. Then we have a pan in the high space, which is called Steam Thummer. The company has been through a couple of covenant relaxations over the last six months. It's a complicated story. Yield is only 8% despite all of these headwinds. The company is exposed to oversupply in, in the medical glove market after the pandemic. So we think that there's just too much execution risk with their deleveraging strategy at the moment. I'll just finish with Ineos because it's actually one of our biggest names in the high space. They have in total around 5 billion euros of bonds across euro and dollar. Investors have a lot of interest in Ineos, but we've kept a neutral view on these names at the moment because yields are not particularly attractive and there's still this story around the potential acquisition of Manchester United Football Club, uh, possibly for £5 billion, so that's a significant deal. I have to say that at the moment, we would expect the companies to first not being directly involved because it's not their core business, they're like chemical entities. That said, we would probably expect some dividends if Ineos actually acquired Manchester United Football Club. But that, yeah, that remains to be seen. So the Premier League season will end at the end of this month in May and things will probably move forward from June then. So are you happy that you may now also be a sports analyst on top of being a chemical and paper and packaging analyst? Yeah, I mean, I never would have imagined that I would, you know, mix chemicals and football in the same discussion, but yeah. Anything could happen with Ineos. Makes it much more entertaining when you have these kind of dalliances by companies. Not necessarily great fundamentally. Sometimes it is, but definitely more interesting. 
So let's wrap it up with some words of wisdom for management teams. There's a lot to navigate in this current economic and market environment. So if you could tell companies some words of advice from an analyst so in the weeds on the sector, what would you be telling them? Yeah, good question. I think I would probably tell them don't count your chickens before they hatch. Because, I mean, as we said earlier, most companies are expecting some demand recovery in second half of this year. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the economy will be strong again. Maybe there will be a, a short restocking cycle, like a, a temporary readjustment rather than the start of another strong cycle of, say, two to three years. Actually, most companies in our coverage has been relatively prudent, and we hope that that will continue. Some companies have paused their share buybacks program, for example. And on the M&A front, it's been relatively quiet since COVID. Apart from a few sizable deals, like uh, I've mentioned Sika's 5 billion euro acquisition a few weeks ago, but uh, and there's also Ineos that beyond the Manchester United story, they've also started to expand in Asia. But otherwise, I would say that in our coverage, we've seen mainly Boltons, so relatively quiet on the m and front. Overall, I would say that for cyclical companies, it's just important that they stay focused on preserving leverage metrics, liquidity for the smaller companies, and optimizing their cost structure because European companies today are just less competitive and with high energy prices, improving supply chains that have also driven uh, increasing imp impulse for more competitive regions that has put pressure on prices and margins for European companies. So uh, if you look at a, a big, even big guys like BASF in Germany, they've announced cost-saving measures, downsizing and expecting some 1 billion euro fixed cost reductions, but that will take time. That won't be delivered before maybe 2026. Again, I mean, it's a giant company, it won't disappear, but management had to face the reality and react to the changing environment in Europe. It's actually been like some structural change with completely different dynamics in the energy market and new relationship between Europe and Russia. Long story short, I would just say to European companies, please remain prudent in the near term and don't count your, your chickens before they hatch. Well, that is some very helpful advice. Remain prudent so you can stay better, faster, stronger. Yes, absolutely. Do not do not count those chickens before they hatch. Laurent, thank you so much for chatting with me today about chems and paper and packaging in the Euro markets. This has been super helpful. I am very interested to see how the global economy unfolds in the second half of the year. And I hope everyone who listened today enjoyed. If you have any follow-up questions for me or Laurent, you can always use the Ask an Analyst function on the Credit Sites website. Laurent, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, Winnie. Thanks for having me today. Credit Sites Disclaimer. All price references correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, or reproduced in whole or in part. Neither Credit Sites nor its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information contained in this podcast. Credit Sites is not providing investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, is not providing research or making any recommendations, nor is Credit Sites offering or soliciting any transaction with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. The receipt by this listener of this podcast is not the giving of advice by Credit Sites or its affiliates.